Scared to death is explicit in every way. Please take care while listening. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no home, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Uh, we are recording this one back from vacation. We are very excited to be here, very excited for summer camp. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> and we... Uh, this is an unusual one where this is take two. We had we came right back into a tech glitch. Whoopsies. Where the backup thing wasn't working. And yeah. So that so um things went sideways. <laughs> so if we have moments of for us, it's seeming like deja vu. That is why. Yeah, if, if the whole time I'm like, wait, I've heard this I've before. I've heard this before. I heard this this morning. This is vaguely familiar to me. Um we so you know, maybe good news. We're warmed up. Yeah. Maybe bad news this morning. It was definitely the greatest episode of any podcast that's ever happened. The one that we lost. The one that we can't prove. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we conjured a spirit. There was a spirit, a spirit told one of the stories. We had the best proof of the paranormal ever that anyone's ever had. Was, that's, we lost was, that recording. It was wild, cool, and interesting. Mm-hmm. The dolls danced. The Layla's yeah. did a little like chorus line on the desk. Starts um, I levitated. The news. Yeah. You know, they're just doing mm-hmm. a little. Your yeah. head spun around. No, I And my neck is still a little kink uh-huh, from it. Uh-huh. It's like a little like, whoo, that was, wow, it went far. <laughs> uh, but seriously, uh, yeah, that was just, uh, that's the only time we have, um, we've done that. So we'll. So I don't think I, that's I true. Hope... I, I think there's one other oh, episode. Maybe there was one other that something happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I kind of, I kind of don't want this one to be too good though. Yeah. Because then they're like, well, now you should do a dry rehearsal every time. Oh God. Okay. Let's make this a really crappy episode. <laughs> No, it's not going to be crappy. Um, Before we get into the stories today, very cool merch announcement. Uh, Yeah, really amazing new merch in the Mad Magic store this week. I know I say big things all the time, but this is special. This is the long-anticipated Scared to Death Tarot Cards. Full set, 78 major and minor arcana cards uh, in a cool, super hardcover luxe box. Sorry if I'm saying uh, uh, arcana. I think we did decide, right, Logan, that that was the most common pronunciation? I think so, yeah. Okay. Arcana. Some people say Arcana. We we did look it up. Mostly it's Arcana. Uh, only limited quantities. So be able, be sure to grab yours ASAP. If you're into this, head on over to badmagicmerch.com to check out this killer set. The artwork, the overall design is incredible. That's the thing. It's like you don't even have to be a, a card user to yeah. purchase this because they're so incredible. I mean, the attention to detail, every card is just, oh, they're so, so pretty. I'm like that with a lot of things that are um, in, in, of the occult where I don't know how they're supposed to work, what it's actually truly supposed to be. I just think that it looks cool, mm-hmm. and I like the vibe. I mean, look at the Queen of Wands. Look at how pretty she is. That's awesome. I know. The detail. Mm-hmm. This box is dope. Oh. And then Lindsay has a, uh, a a quick charitable donation announcement, and then we'll move into uh, previewing the stories. All right. Can I play with the cards while you're uh, t- talking this next part? I don't I know. see him. Well, are you going to conjure something up? Maybe. Listen, or maybe I'll get a full house. Don't. <laughs> this is not 52 card pickup. Don't throw them in the air. 
Okay. Okay. Because I'm not picking them up. Okay. Okay. Uh, this month's donation, just as a reminder, is going to the Boy Scout camp here in Coeur d'Alene, where we will be attending summer camp next week. Uh, camp Easton. Yeah, just in my journeys out there to view the space and work on this event. We just recognized that there were some things that they could use, some help getting fixed. So we're excited to go out there, have the best time at camp, and then, you know, let them know what good people we are with a lovely donation because it's going to be a rager of a weekend. And I don't know, they might be nervous after we leave. Like, (laughs) what are those people all about? (laughs) So we're excited. I have some cards for you. Okay, what you got? I'm nervous. Oh, boy. Literally, the first card I threw down is death. Death or the devil? Death. Hmm. What does that mean? Did you shuffle? Yeah. And I shuffled up and I threw down death. And then I got, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> hanged man. I don't know a lot about, this is, I don't feel this like is this a is a setup. good hand. This is a setup. No, it really isn't. Setup. I had death, the hangman, and I have justice. What the hell? Someone's getting hanged. You're not doing it right. I hope not. Because I don't feel like, I feel like that's pretty ominous. I feel like those are not great three cards. I have something to tell you. What? Anytime I've had my tarot cards read, which there will be a tarot card reader out mm-hmm. at camp, you know, so you, now you have to do it. Okay. Anytime I've had my tarot cards read, <sighs> yeah, I always get the hanged man or the death card. Always. My whole Oof. life. I got both of them out of the gate. Well, you didn't get it. You were reading for me. Oh, no. What did I just do to you? I cursed you. I cursed you. I, cu- I just cursed you. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Um... <laughs> If this was a different show, I was going to say something incredibly sexually graphic. But I, I, wa- I, I know you I were. I was going to say something about something dying. Yep. I knew you were, and that's why I let the air get a little thick for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was letting you process. Okay. Okay. Ready uh, to move on. I was okay. going to put my watch on silent. You guys, I forgot. I'm really sorry. After a few weeks uh, uh, away from recording, it is back to horror for us. Let's uh, preview these stories. I had a fun uh, time tweaking and polishing these stories in Iceland. Um, it, it was it was a mystical land over there, the land of fire and ice, and it and it we was got fun. to do both. We got to do both. Yeah, you guys, volcano, we, glacier. We hiked a glacier, mm-hmm. hiked up a glacier, like nearly to the top. It was mm-hmm. incredible, and then we got to see the most recent volcanic explosion. Yeah, so that fissure eruption. Yep, that opened up and all the lava bubbling out. Wild, uh, cool and interesting. Uh, okay, my, I have two stories. How about how about you? I have twelve. 12, a dozen stories. Yeah, because I'm making up for like the episode being lost mm-hmm. and then starting over. So I thought we should really... It's going to be a marathon. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Buckle up, buddy boy. I've got two stories this week. Uh, my first story, some nursing home visitors that maybe, I don't know, maybe you just don't want. Maybe you do. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sweet little old lady is seeing something interesting. And then my second story... It takes us to a group of friends who are maybe uh, co-dreaming or having meshing dreams. So we can talk a little bit about what that means, what that looks like, and then share their story. Okay. I'm stuck on, I wish I would have never turned those cards over. Are you okay? I don't like that. I, I don't, why was it death, the hanged man, and justice? Like, those are, those seem terrible. Those okay. seem absolutely terrible. Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. I don't know a lot about tarot cards because yeah. any of my decks are, um, not of that nature like i don't think they have the major and the minor they're more like yeah anyways i could go on okay so um i think that you have to like first separate out the majors and the minors so i think right now like what's in that box didn't count i just smashed them all in together because i wanted to show certain graphics while we were talking about the cards so i don't think it counts okay it doesn't count yeah i think you're okay i think if i were to shuffle them and then do it over i would flip one over and it would be like you're a millionaire eternal 
and it would be the next one would be yeah millionaire uh-huh. and then the next one would be um six pack six abs. pack abs yeah exactly okay yeah. all right yeah. um first of my two stories not sure where it's set. Somewhere in the U.S., uh, but not even 100% sure of that. The lore comes from all over the world. The lore of the old hag syndrome. Mm-hmm. Can sleep paralysis fully explain this creepy phenomenon? Or is it actually some sort of monstrous spirit who can maybe not just haunt your dreams, but torment your real waking life as well? Uh, we'll go over some lore and share a supposed modern encounter story. My second story, a short collection of ghost sightings from the U.S.-Mexican border near El Paso, Texas, Spirits seem to proliferate in this area, as numerous claims will illustrate. So are you ready to return to some fear, Lulu? Oh, I am. Take me there. Okay. Uh, We've talked about sleep paralysis here on Scared to Death before, numerous times, in fact. I've talked about it uh, over on Time Suck as well. Some think it explains many, if not most, sightings of so-called shadow people. Uh, Sleep paralysis is that horrible feeling of being immobilized, suspended between sleep and wakefulness, of feeling something massive pressing down on you, not knowing when or if it's going to stop. It's a feeling of intense panic and not being able to stop whatever is on you or near you from doing whatever it wants to do. Sleep paralysis is the skeptical, rational terminology given for several of the paranormal stories we've shared here. Uh, It's the explanation, the comforting science-based, medically studied explanation for a very uncomfortable feeling and phenomenon. During sleep paralysis, the vivid and sometimes terrifying dreams of REM sleep spill over into emerging wakefulness. Hallucinations occur and can include out-of-body experiences or sensing and seeing the presence of menacing intruders in one's bedroom. Researchers have proven that a functional disturbance of the parietal cortex may give rise to the common bedroom intruder hallucination seen during sleep paralysis. In the lab, sightings of shadow-like persons have been recreated using focal electrical stimulation of the parietal cortex. But does that explain all shadow people sightings? No, because many are allegedly seen while people are wide awake, and many are seen when the witness is not paralyzed. Also, can every single experience of feeling paralyzed in bed while some nefarious entity is holding you down or otherwise oppressing or menacing you be simply explained away by sleep paralysis? That's obviously impossible to prove. Uh, gut feeling wise, I don't think so. So what other explanations could there be? Perhaps old hag syndrome is one. Uh, not sure we've previously talked about old hag syndrome here on scared to death. I did talk about it several years ago in episode uh, 59 of time suck, but just briefly for some old hag syndrome puts a wrinkle in the commonly accepted idea that shadow people and other monsters that often seem to attack us in that strange space between waking and dreaming are simply the result of sleep paralysis or overactive imaginations. But if it's nothing more than the minor than a minor brain malfunction, then why do so many people report seeing the same old woman? No one has, for example, recreated seeing this old woman in scientific studies, uh, you know, over and over again before. Could the old hag be a real paranormal monster? The name of the phenomenon comes from the superstitious belief that a witch or quote an old hag sits or rides the chest of her victims, rendering them immobile. Sometimes people refer to her as the night hag. Uh, She is generally thought of to be some sort of witch. And the experience of her is so frightening because a person, although paralyzed, still has full use of their senses. They can see her. They can feel her. Their senses report all sorts of frightening information, right? Strange smells, apparitions of of weird shadows and glowing eyes, and the feeling of the oppressive weight on their chest. People from many different cultures around the world have reported experiencing versions of this female entity. In Scandinavian folklore, she is referred to as the mare a mysterious being related to an incubus or a succubus. The mare is reportedly the damned soul of someone who was once a woman. 
the woman who was cursed to have her body carried mysteriously during sleep without her noticing. In this state, she visits people and sits on their rib cages while they slumber. Fighting her own curse, she acts in terrifying ways because she's interpreting whoever she's riding as being her nightmare instead of the other way around. She attacks you because she thinks you are trying to attack her. Belief in the mayor is recorded as far back as the Ingalinga. Oh, sorry, Ingalinga. Ingalinga saga, written by Icelandic poet and historian Snorri Strolson in the early 13th century, and based on works of the 9th century. In this collection of old folklore stories, uh, an early Swedish king is killed in his sleep by a night hag set upon him by a witch. The mare made its way into ancient English lore. The word nightmare is derived from the old English concept of the mare, a mythological demon or goblin or an old hag who torments others with frightening dreams. The Gullah people of South Carolina, originating from various African tribes who blended their cultures with uh, um, Catholicism in that syncretic way uh, during the era of plantation slavery, they reported being attacked by a similar entity they call the Boo Hag. This group believes, or at least once believed, that when a person dies, if their spirit is good, their soul goes to heaven. But if not, it lingers here and sometimes becomes a Boo Hag. Uh, this creature is similar to a vampire and is often depicted in the form of an elderly woman. The creature's essence can easily slip into your home through even the slightest of cracks, will do so while you're sleeping, then it creeps around your house until it finds you asleep in bed. The boo hag then uh, sits on your chest, sucking all the air out of your lungs, stealing your vitality like a vampire would if it sucked your blood. Reportedly, once the boo hag has sucked all the life out of your lungs, it will slip into your skin, use your body uh, all through the night, leaving in the early morning hours. If a boo hag visits you in your sleep, you'll be exhausted when you awake in the next morning, but you won't remember uh, having been awake during the night before. And eventually then, you are no more. The boo hag will take all your vitality and just completely take your life. In Brazil, a similar story exists about a mythological being called the Pisadera, she who sleeps. The Pisadera is described as a tall, skinny old woman with long, dirty nails and dried toes, white tangled hair, a long nose, intense, glowing, piercing red eyes, and rotten greenish teeth that you'll see when she lets loose her evil laugh. Similar creatures called the Alps are known in the folklore of many Germanic European cultures. The legends or and legends of this witch-like creature appear elsewhere as well. Is all this nothing more than sleep paralysis? the product of overactive imaginations and strange dreams? Or is there something more at work in at least some of the stories? Why do so many cultures report seeing an old woman? Could it be the same old woman, an ancient entity depicted as appearing slightly differently to people around the world, perhaps due to those it is terrified, viewing it through the lens of their own time, place, and culture, and thus describing it accordingly? And also, what if sometimes... This creature is able to somehow reach into our lives beyond the world of nightmares that occur on the edge of sleep and into our fully waking hours. That's exactly what the following alleged encounter is about. Time now for the tale of the old hag and the baby. Kyle had long since learned not to take anything his sister said seriously. He loved his sister, Skylar. He really did. He could still remember the day their parents brought her home from the hospital. He was five, and though his family had expected him to be jealous of the new pink creature now taking up almost all their time and constantly interrupting their sleep, Kyle didn't feel that way. Even as a little kid, he understood that it was his job to protect her, to make her feel safe. And it was a job he wanted, and he was good at it. As the two grew up, though, this job became somewhat more complicated. Skylar was sick a lot as a little kid, and their parents responded in a typically overprotective way. So Skylar began to equate their attentiveness with love 
when she made a big fuss, had a tantrum, yelled about something she perceived as being unfair or unkind, they'd come running to protect their baby girl. And as she grew into a teenager, her craving for more of this kind of attention led to the occasional lie. Like saying someone had followed her on her way home from school, or that someone had been in her room the night before, even when no one could find any evidence of this being true. At least Kyler, or Kyle thought these stories were lies at the time, but now he wonders. These stories were always rewarded by her parents, who gave her big hugs and reassured her that everything was going to be okay. Kyle tried not to make too much out of all this growing up. Sure, his sister was a little bit annoying and probably exaggerated a lot of stuff or made stuff up, but didn't a lot of kids do that? But then after their parents died, carbon monoxide poisoning, a freak accident, these stories got harder for Kyle to write off. It was no longer little kid stuff. Why was his adult sister still making up such weird lies? He was 28, Skyler was 23, and just out of college. Kyle, who had started his own business across the country after finishing college himself five years earlier, now moved back to his hometown to take care of his little sister and so they could be each other's support systems. And for a while, things were better for both of them. Kyle reconnected with some good friends from high school and started a new successful branch of his business. And Skyler even ended up getting engaged to one of his old friends, a nice guy named Alex from a good, hardworking family who wanted Skyler to stay home with their future kids for as long as she wanted. Just like Kyle, Alex wanted to take care of her. And Skyler seemed to want to be taken care of. With Kyle's blessing, they got married. And then not long after their wedding, Skyler became pregnant. And not too long after that, the phone calls began. Sometimes it was 4 a.m., sometimes it was 2 in the afternoon, when Kyle was busy meeting clients. Whatever the time, the content was always the same. Skyler would shriek something to the effect of, You have to come over. She's in my house. And Kyle would say something to the effect of, Who's in your house, Sky? Some, some old woman. She's upstairs. I, I can hear her. She's looking for me, Kyle. When she made these calls, Skyler's voice always sounded small and scared. The behavior reminded Kyle of how Skyler had acted as a child. He hadn't made a big deal of it then, but now he was getting really sick of it. But because she was pregnant, while he didn't believe anything was actually happening, he also didn't call her out on it. Her pregnancy, he thought, probably added to a, a whole other layer of hormones to her predisposition towards making things up. And her husband, Alex, uh, was away on business for three months. She was jonesing for extra attention and care in his absence. Or maybe her horm hormones had scrambled her brain a bit and she truly did think there was someone in her house. The first few times it happened, Kyle went over, proceeding from room to room, looking for this strange woman. The house was, exactly as he'd expected it to be, always empty. After the fourth or fifth time, Kyle could no longer justify jumping up in the middle of the night just to go make his sister feel better. He was an adult with his own responsibilities. He was running a business. And she was an adult. And there was nothing to be afraid of. At least that's what he thought. Soon, Kyle would wish that he'd taken his sister more seriously, that he'd paid more attention to the voicemails he was getting nearly every night now. Kyle, she's in my backyard. She's standing there. I think she wants the baby. You have to come here. Kyle, please help. I'm not kidding. She's rattling the doorknob. I can hear her. Her, her face is in the transom. She's an old woman, but so tall. I've never seen anyone this tall before. She's about to get in, Kyle, please. Kyle, she's in the basement. I, I think she's looking for the baby's things. I put them down there. She wants the baby. I know she does. Please pick up. I know I sound crazy, but I swear to God. Some of the voicemails were just the sound of Skyler's screams. When this happened, Kyle made sure to come over and check. Just not always right away. He'd swing through at a time that was a little more convenient for him, maybe drop by on his way home from work. When he showed up, he, constantly, uh, he was constantly disheartened to see that Skyler looked bad. He'd heard about pregnancy glow, and she seemed to have the opposite. 
hollow, dark eyes, pale skin. She even lost a couple pounds. He was getting really worried about her now. Are you sure you're eating enough? He asked one day, about three weeks after the call started. Skylar was now six months pregnant and should have been showing heavily, but her belly seemed a little deflated, like she was still in the third or fourth month. Then again, Kyle rationalized at the time that he wasn't an expert on pregnancy and she was going to the doctors. And his sister had always been pretty small. Yeah, she said vaguely, her eyes skittering around the room. I'm eating plenty, but I wake up starving every day. He could see a pile of dishes in the sink, crusted with old food, so he knew Skylar was telling the truth. Maybe she was throwing up a lot? Tell you what, he said. Let's go out for dinner tonight. Anything you want. Could be the weirdest craving ever. I'm in. My treat. Skylar gave him a hollow smile and nodded. That night at dinner at an old Italian place they'd loved to go to with their parents before, Skylar ordered a pasta, pasta carbonara and seemed in better spirits than he'd seen her the past couple of months, chatting happily about baby names and what kind of birth she was going to have. Kyle didn't really want to hear about his sister's birth canal in that much detail, but he figured it was better than hearing about the old woman, the old woman he was still certain did not exist. The evening was great. Everything felt healthy and normal until Kyle dropped her off at home. As she leaned over the driver's seat to give her brother a hug, Skyler's eyes went wide. She pointed across the street. That's her, she said, her voice dropping to a whisper. Kyle, she's right there, watching us. Kyle didn't know what he was expecting to see. Honestly, he didn't really expect to see anyone. But if he had expected to see someone, it wouldn't have been the neighbor. Not the person he saw on the sidewalk. Or it would have been an old neighbor, excuse me. Not the person he saw on the sidewalk. He only saw a random young woman. Tall with waist-length black hair, blue eyes. He could see from the streetlight she stood under. Not old. She was walking slowly, glancing at the houses, including Skyler's, probably trying to catch a number so she could get to wherever she was going, Kyle thought. Skylar, meanwhile, was shaking, her face drained of all color. Hey, hey, Kyle said, trying to be reassuring. It's okay. Do you want me to talk to her? I'll ask her what she's doing here. I know what she's doing here, Skylar spat. She wants my baby. Kyle was now very worried about his sister's mental health. He wondered if he should call, uh, talk to her husband or a doctor, have someone come out and check on her or something. In the meantime, Kyle figured that he might as well just go talk to this woman in order to calm his sister down at the moment. Wait here, he said, and hopped out of the car. And as he got closer to the woman, he saw that she was absolutely gorgeous. Not just pretty, pretty like he'd first thought. Her skin seemed to glow. If he'd put her and his sister side by side, he'd also have thought that the woman was the pregnant woman, not Skylar. Hey, he said, trying to sound as friendly as possible, aware that he was a strange man approaching some lady at night. Are you new around the neighborhood? The woman looked up and smiled. Later, Kyle would think it was odd that he couldn't remember any details of their conversation. It was like his brain just shorted out, and he found himself sitting back in the driver's seat of his car. The woman disappeared from view. How long had it been? Five minutes? Ten? He did think the woman seemed fine, though. Or he had no memory to speak to the contrary. I think it's going to be okay, he said to Skyler, who was still huddled in the passenger seat. She left and won't be coming back, he lied. Why don't you just get some sleep? I took a picture of her with my phone, Skyler responded, flashing a small, grim smile. Now I have proof. Proof of what, Kyler? Kyle silently wondered. That you're insane? Still hoping she'd eventually just snap out of all this, that it was somehow tied to her pregnancy, a bad personality trait of exaggerating or, okay, lying, exacerbated by stress and hormones, he offered to walk his sister to her front door. But then, as the door swung shut behind Skyler, he thought he vaguely heard the sound of footsteps upstairs. He figured that he must be tired. It was late, and he had a full schedule the next morning. And maybe, he thought with a little smile, if he left right now, he'd run into the stranger again. This time, maybe they could get to know each other a little better. He went home, took a shower, and got in bed. Bring, bring, bring. 
Kyle opened his eyes disoriented. In the dark, he grappled for his ringing phone. It was 4.30 in the morning. Skyler was calling, again. His thumb hovered briefly over the accept button, and then over the decline button. It was late, or he guessed early. There was no reason for him to take a call from his crazy sister. Abruptly, the call ended before he could decide which button to push. But then a text came through from Skyler. Just three words that chilled him to the bone. I killed her. Kyle jumped up in bed. Oh shit, what did she do? What in God's name had she done? Who had Skylar killed? The woman, did she even exist? Her, her neighbor? Had she hurt herself? Her future child? Or was she just lying, telling a crazier lie now, more desperate for his attention? I'm on my way, he texted back, calling the police. He was hesitant to call the police, but if she really had done something that crazy, maybe they could get there before she made a bad situation even worse. The drive over was a blur. The police were already at the house when he got there, but Kyle noticed with relief that there was no crime scene tape, no blockade. In fact, two police officers were just milling around while an ambulance crew packed up. You the husband? An officer asked as he looked him over. Kyle shook his head no. He didn't know what to say. Did he tell them what she had texted him or hide it? How was he supposed to protect her in this situation? I'm her brother, he said. She texted me. Well, she texted me that she'd killed someone. That's what she told us too, the officer confirmed. Except we did a sweep of the house and there's nothing. No evidence of any kind of violence, no break-in. We found your sister in the basement talking about how she didn't want to go to jail, but she didn't have any other choice. Medics are talk taking her to the hospital right now for a psyche valve. Kyle blinked. He felt both bad for his sister and her husband. Her having a serious mental health crisis while pregnant with their baby was going to add a lot more stress to an already stressful situation. But he also felt relieved. He knew that she needed help. Did you see anyone lurking around the house? He asked. She was saying that someone was trying to break in or had broken in. The police officer shook his head no. Colin had a sudden thought. Wait, do you have her phone? She said she took a picture of the woman who was trying to break into her house. Police officer muttered something into his walkie-talkie, and another officer soon brought the phone over. Kyle unlocked it and pressed on the photo gallery icon. The picture of the neighbor was the last photo on it, and Kyle saw the same woman he'd seen before. Dark hair, deep blue eyes, staring right into the camera, but who wouldn't, uh, but who wouldn't when someone was taking a picture of them? Doesn't look like the normal perpetrator of a B&E, the police officer said, squinting at the phone. We rarely get petite blondes committing petty theft. Well, it still could have... Kyle broke off mid-sentence. Had that man just said blonde? The woman was clearly a brunette, and not petite at all, she was curvy. His heart now sank to his stomach. Suddenly he felt a wave of guilt for Skyler, the sister he was supposed to protect, but he hadn't been protecting her. Now he knew this whole situation, this ongoing situation, was not an attention grab, not a hallucination. Something strange and terrible was really happening. She wasn't lying. Just then a scream echoed through the small street, and Kyle turned to the ambulance. It sounded like Skyler. Before he could do anything, the medics had all sprung into action, packing up into another car and sh uh, packing up into the car and shouting to one another. Wait, wait! Kyle yelled, running over to them. What's going on? Your sister's going into labor, one medic yelled back. Way too early. The baby's going to be premature. We have to get her to the hospital. The ambulance peeled off and Kyle jumped into his car. The next several hours were a blur. Driving to the hospital, waiting in the waiting room before someone informed him that Skyler would like him in the delivery room. And then when he finally made it into the delivery room, it was eerily silent. If Skyler hadn't been breathing shallowly, he would have assumed that she was dead. But then she screamed. She's dead! My baby's dead! She took her from me! Kyle hoped that Skyler didn't know what she was saying, that the stress had taken over and she was speaking her worst thoughts. But then he saw the attending physician nodding, the nurses looking away. The doctor slowly led Kyle away and said that they would be administering a sedative for the trauma brought on by a stillbirth. But Kyle knew that it was no stillbirth. Only after his sister recovered would he get the full story. How weeks earlier, she'd been woken up in the middle of the night to a woman leaning above her. 
how the woman had vanished when she stood up. But when Skylar went to open the bedroom door, it was locked. When the door finally opened, the woman was standing at the end of the hallway. She didn't look young, though. She looked old, so old, like a witch in an old horror movie. And she was holding her baby. Skylar charged down the hallway, grabbed a knife from the kitchen, chased the woman to the basement, and she stabbed her. But the woman didn't bleed. Instead, she was smiling. And then a moment later, she vanished. Skylar then moved to the house looking for her, and she saw the woman reflected in every surface, every mirror, every window, showed the same face, the same gruesome smile. And it kept happening. The woman just kept coming back. Sometimes Skylar would wake up with this woman sitting on her chest, sucking the air out of her lungs, and she was helpless to stop her. She'd fight to move with every fiber of her being, but she'd be unable to do anything but watch this old woman feel her, smell her, until she got up and walked away. And then she'd break free and search for her again, and most of the time find her somewhere in the house, holding on to her baby, Skylar's baby. Kyle wanted to tell himself this was all brought on by stress, hormones, grief over losing her unborn child. But then he'd look at the picture on Skylar's phone and see how the lines around the woman's face distorted until he saw a blonde woman, then a redheaded brunette. Her age would shift, sometimes young, beautiful, sometimes old, terrifying. He decided to take his story to the internet, hoping he could get some help. He wanted to help his sister rebuild her sanity, figure out how to protect herself from this thing ever coming back, figure out how to keep from completely losing her mind. He hopes to get help soon. He needs help soon if he's going to save his sister because the woman isn't gone. He still sees her. Or he sometimes sees her too now. As he finishes his post late into the night, he says she's standing in the backyard watching him. The details of her actual look, still hard to lock down. She's holding his sister's baby. And she's smiling. Still scary. Still scary second time around? Still scary. Still uncomfortable. Wah! I don't like that lady. Yeah. She sounds really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> like if yeah. I see her, yeah. Yeah, the whole concept of uh, the folklore of like of like a witch, mm-hmm, like an actual witch, and, and someone you haven't done anything to. I know, like what but, did I ever do to you, lady? <laughs> but they just have it out for you, mm-hmm. and, and you don't know how to defend yourself from them is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, and like, does she sit on you? And uh, you know, like in this story, had she been coming for Skylar her whole life? Mm-hmm. Was it a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit? Like when someone withers away in death? Yeah. Maybe it's the old hag. Like a, like an, and then it just re, uh, reminds you of like demonic attachment mm-hmm. where like how long, like we've talked about that in a bunch of stories where uh, some, you know, quote unquote demonic entity won't always possess you, but will attach itself to you yep. and can affect others around you. And yeah. uh, you don't even notice it yourself all the time, or maybe it just kind of slowly withers you away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have photos. As you know, f- uh, for what? that modern story, what? but but I do have um, photos, uh, some some pictures associated with the lore. I di- I didn't know that you didn't have photos. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, this this is a painting. This first one from 1796 called "The Night Hag Visiting Lapland Witches." It's a very cool painting. It is. It's the work of uh, Henry Fuseli, a Swiss painter who spent most of his working life in London, and his most well known works feature supernatural subjects. Uh, his most well known work is this next painting called The Nightmare. I really liked this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, scary. Mm-hmm. But really well done. Yeah, really well a, done. He was a master. Uh, an illustration of the Boo Hag is this next uh, image from yeah. puzzleboxhorror.com. Don't, uh, don't let the Boo Hag ride ya. Yeah, it's a, oh yeah, what it says in the corner, yep. And it's a post titled Beware the Boo Hags of South Carolina. Yeah, this one, uh, if you are following along, if you're looking at uh, Instagram or Facebook for Scared to Death Podcast, you'll see this one. It looks like 
in uh, horror lore, like little like baby doll head that has like the spider arms connected to it. It's like like the way it like clacks against the floor. It's got that creepy, creepy arms coming out of my head look. And then finally, this next image is a still from the from a 2019 episode on the Pisadera from the Brazilian series Phantasmagorias, a series of animated short films based on Latin American Earth urban myths and legends that aired uh, on HBO Brazil. Which means you can't get it here. True, I don't right. think so. I think on YouTube, maybe. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe on the boob, too. Maybe, maybe. Or um, I don't know how that works with an HBO subscription. I mean, it, it is like I don't, sometimes maybe you can con- – like, I don't know if you could subscribe. Well, you know what? You probably could with a VPN. Oh, yeah, with a VPN. Yeah, yeah. you get a VPN on your device. It's a lot of work. I know. But Forget, I mean, you but already for te- lost me. You already lost me. <laughs> but for uh, tech savvy people, it's not that much work. Well, and like then you can watch work. content from around the world. But there's already so much content to consume. Like, do you need other content from another some place? People, some people, if, like uh, if you're doing deep dives on horror and you run out of the stuff you want to see here, I guess you can tap into other countries' um, horror wells. Are you sweating yet? I'm sweating. No, I'm good actually right now. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um, do you have any questions? Or uh, before we move on. Well, let's see what kind of notes I have. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I made this note about the word nightmare being uh, from the mayor from Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really fun oh, yeah. to do an entire bonus episode just talking about lore. Where it's not you know, a necessarily a creepy episode. Yeah. But it would just be fun to explore the etymology of where words come from. Like, why do they come from there? Yeah. What's, you know... How do we get the word witch? How did we get the word ghost? You know, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Where, mm-hmm. you know, where's the first supposed ghost? Like all that kind of. Yeah, the history of the entities. Yeah. As far as the written history. Mm-hmm. Vampires. Werewolves, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. It could be really fun. Some come from the literary world. Some, yeah, come from folklore. Some. Come from your brain. Come from supposed sightings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was also making a note that I wonder if the parents' death was also the hag somehow. Like, mm. how meddling is she? If she uh, tinkered with the uh, uh, the gas valve yeah, to or like, like a gas leak. Yeah, or like maybe, I mean, we don't know the, the details of the parent's death, but maybe they could have gotten out, but the old hag had been there kind of slowly Yikes. sucking life out of them. So Ugh, maybe it was, yeah. an, you know, an unfortunate combination of events. And then also, I'm a little bit mad at Kyle so, you know, oh, my sister's so crazy, so crazy. Here's the thing. Kyle was single based on this story, mm-hmm. and his brother-in-law was out of town. So, like, bro, go spend the night at your sister's house. I was yeah, a little bit mad at him. Or, like, okay, she's having a really hard time, and she says she's seeing this thing at her house. Did you ever think to maybe, I don't know, ask her if she wanted to sleep at your house for a night or two and see if that That's true. curbed it? But 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 when she when he really didn't believe the paranormal stuff and she, and he'd grown up with her kind of I know. telling these, I got the feeling that he's just like he wants to help her mm-hmm. but needs a little separation because she's annoying. But I also got the like okay well if you want to get more sleep and don't want these four a.m. phone calls then you should definitely have her sleep at your house because- or she's waking you up in person at four a.m. Well, you would find out real quick, wouldn't you? That's true. I guess you could could try it for a night or two. Just saying. And then, like, did he even try to talk to her about this outside of the moments of, like, hey, we should probably discuss what's going on with you. It Hmm. feels like he was a little inattentive. All right. Okay? I'm I'm not mad at him. Yeah. I'm just a little bit frustrated. Yeah. No, I think it's a fair observation. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how my brother would handle it. And I have a very good brother. Yeah, you do. I do. Mm Mm-hmm. 
he would also be scared out of his mind. <laughs> so I would have to be the brave one. And that wouldn't go so well. Yeah. If I was the pregnant person seeing the old hag. Yeah, I'm thinking if like if I was single and lived near my little sister, I think I'd be pretty good, but I also would be irritable. Right, right. But I'd maybe, be like, what are you doing? Yeah, but like um, to me, um, if I'm not seeing it, I could get worn down. Well, how could you see it? You're not at her house in the middle of the night. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, okay, so this, um, are we moving on now? Or oh, I can move on now. Uh, this next story. Much less involved than the first one. Uh, involves a lot more supposed paranormal encounters. You, you like these types of stories a lot where it's a, a series of multiple supposed sightings. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> Let's head to Texas and New Mexico to meet some ghosts. But first, our quick in-between story sponsor break. Uh, thanks to everyone who not only listens to these, but uses our codes and landing pages when applicable to get some great deals. Thanks for sticking around, creeps and peepers. Let's hear some ghost stories from the border. Excuse me. Yes. We never talked about my socks. Oh, we, did, we never talked. In this episode. Talk, yeah. Let's talk so, about your socks. Really quick. Yeah. I just want to talk about my cute socks from Stephanie Smith. They're like purple polka dots with maybe like little corgis on them. Uh-huh. And Stephanie gave them, uh, her son turned her on to scare to death. Mm-hmm. And uh, her son and her husband are like big fans of you. Oh, that's and, nice. <sighs> just kidding. And so anyways, they were at your stand-up show in uh, Springfield. Mm-hmm. And yep. I loved I loved Springfield so much. And they sent these backstage for me. And I love them. And thank you, Stephanie. Oh, thank you. Okay. Sorry. It was I kept wanting to interrupt you in story yeah. one. I was like, I don't forget to say thank you for the socks. <laughs> uh for story two, not much setup. Okay, let's have at it, bro. So we'll get into it pretty fast here. Uh without adding ghosts or any other paranormal horror to the mix, the US Mexico border near El Paso, Texas, and Juarez, Chihuahua, uh, can be a terrifying place. Thanks to the U.S. drug war and all the cartels trying to smuggle narcotics across the border into the biggest population center along the border, the area has been a breeding ground for violence for decades. Also, thanks to unstable political and economic situations in many parts of Latin America, the bodies of those trying to get themselves smuggled across the border to start a new life in a nation with more economic economic opportunities uh, are also often found. And so many people go missing. Um, trying to get across the border, people whose bodies are never found. And then on top of all this, there seems to be an unusually high amount of reported paranormal activity in the area. Time now for the tale of ghosts at the border. Recently, retired Border Patrol agent Leon Baker spoke about his own experiences and the experiences of his colleagues. Uh, Baker became an agent in 1998. And Baker spoke about paranormal encounters in the Mount Cristo Rey area, just a few miles outside of the border city of El Paso, Texas, in New Mexico, in, uh, just a few years ago. Mount Cristo Rey stands tall in the desert, full of secret tunnels and treacherous roads. Smugglers and law enforcement agents both can hide for almost any length of time where no one can see them from the other side of rocky hills, bushes, and trenches throughout the terrain. The area is active nearly 24-7, and everyone working there accepts, that fact, uh, accepts the fact that they're always being watched. And Leon thinks he's been watched uh, in this area, not just by immigrants and smugglers trying to sneak past him and into the country, but also by the spirit of a dead agent. Leon worked loosely with this unnamed agent when he first started. Didn't know the man well, but they were familiar with each other. And tragically, this agent was killed off-duty not long after Leon started. He was an old-timer on the force, and the loss hit everyone around him hard. The man's ashes were spread along the river in the Mount Crystal Ray area. Then one night, not long after his death, Leon was sitting in his truck at around 2 a.m., It was a slow shift, and he was killing time listening to Coast to Coast on the radio. Something moved in his periphery, something close, as it inches away right next to him in the passenger seat. Leon quickly spun around and saw, sitting right next to him, the agent who had passed away. 
Leon just caught a glimpse of this man before he disappeared into nothing. He didn't have time to process his shock or say anything before he was gone. But Leon was positive he saw this dead agent. Years after the sighting, he could still vividly recall exactly what the man looked like. He was wearing the blue jeans and white shirts that he often wore off-duty, most likely the outfit he died in. One of Leon's friends, another border agent, told him about a terrifying experience with this same ghost he had while sitting in his truck one slow night. The agent was extremely tired, cut himself dozing off a couple of times, and then he was awoken from his sleep when he was startled by the figure of a man standing outside his passenger window. Don't trust them, the man said urgently, leaning into the truck and motioning to the Mexican side of the border. He vanished as quickly as he'd appeared right in front of the agent's eyes. The man was wearing the old-fashioned metal badge, too, not the cloth ones that Border Patrol agents wear today, and an older uh, Border Patrol uniform with a cowboy hat. After hearing this description, Leon Baker knew exactly which agent he was talking about, the same man he saw in his truck. And these guys, not the only ones, report seeing the ghost of this agent. According to Leon, half the old-timers he used to work with also saw this man's spirit. Uh, Leon was once at a party at the station when he and colleagues were talking about the show Ghost Hunters and how realistic they felt the show was. And then an agent told Leon a story that he'd never told anyone before. He told Leon that one night the apparition of a man, the same former agent, appeared in his truck as well, then disappeared just a moment later. Others shared similar stories. Mount Cristo Ray seems to be a real paranormal border hotspot. In June of 1992, a helicopter pilot and border agent named Louis Stahl crashed into some power lines and landed in a canyon near Mount Crystal Ray. Border Patrol agents went to save Stahl, but he was dead when they arrived. In the years since his crash, Leon says that agents have claimed to hear a loud slap against the side of their trucks when they're not paying attention or dozing off during a late night shift. Leon told the hosts of Paranormal Files that he and fellow agents believe this entity, entity to be Agent Stahl watching them and making sure they're not slacking on the job. And then there are other entities not believed to be the ghosts of former agents. During another late night shift, Leon said he parked near some big gate by a big canal on the south side of El Paso where water is controlled for irrigation, a preferred lookout spot for agents. Bodies are often found in this area because of accidental drownings. He walked a short distance from his truck, sat in silence to look for movement. He said around 1 a.m. another agent came to take over his shift Leon was chatting with this relief agent when someone, uh, something at the fence caught his eye, the dark figure of a man walking along the fence. Shape was about 15, 20 feet away, nothing more than a black shadow with no identifiable features. Leon gathered his composure, walked slowly towards his truck, just wanted to go home, figuring he was so tired he was seeing things. As he moved, he saw more black shadows moving in the distance, slightly illuminated by sets of glowing eyes. Leon finally reached his truck, his truck nervous sweat dripping down his face. He said he did not like the energy he felt emanating from these shadows. And he said when uh, his shift was over, he drove home faster than he'd never driven home before. Another location, uh, border control agents near El Paso, frequent is near uh, a cemetery, an old copper smelting plant in Smeltertown. Now largely a ghost town, Smeltertown was inhabited for a century, started in the late 1880s by residents who worked for the nearby copper smelting company. During the Spanish flu epidemic, many children died there in Smeltertown. And now some agents claim to hear these kids laughing and playing in the middle of the night, or they hear footsteps running around their trucks. A lot of men died in mining accidents. Their spirits also thought to still haunt the area. One agent said he was sitting in his truck late at night when he saw a man approaching his rear view mirror. The agent jumped out of the truck to confront the man, but then there was no one there. The agent searched for footprints in the sand, checked the surrounding area, nothing. And yet another incident, one night a couple of agents working in the area had similar experiences that shook them to their cores. One, uh, while looking around the area, spotted a glowing figure moving up the mountain. 
As it came closer, he saw that it was a little girl, no older than about five or six, walking up the ridge. The girl had appeared out of nowhere. This agent was sure that there was no one on the ridge before. Also, how was her whole body glowing and white? Within seconds, she just vanished. Meanwhile, around the same time, down the mountain, another agent was horrified to see what looked like a child's dead body floating in the river. With a deep sadness, he radioed in for backup and reported a deceased child sighting. But then as he stood up to approach the river, he was terrified to see a little girl standing right next to him, glowing the brightest white he'd ever seen. The same little girl the other agent had seen. There are also numerous stories of infrared cameras picking up images of people walking through the area. When agents then go to find these people, they find that the area is completely empty, with no sign of any recent human activity. Agent Baker spoke about another camera story uh, given to him by a colleague. Agents had scope trucks set up and were using infrared to watch someone moving in a valley. They sent an agent down to arrest the man, but then the agent claimed he didn't see anyone. It was completely dark outside, which is why they were using infrared in the first place. The camera operators called the agent back up to the truck and then showed him some disturbing footage. At one point, the man, or entity he was tracking, was standing nose to nose with him, his finger pointing right in his face. But the agent never saw him, and they have no idea who this man was or if he really was a man and there at all. Leon Baker had his own strange camera uh, encounter story. One night, he was assigned to watch the infrared cameras when he and fellow agents started capturing a male figure walking through the area. The male figure hid behind a bush. Uh, Leon and his partner could still see the glow of his body around it, so they sent agents to arrest him. Soon, 15 agents were surrounding the bush. He was supposedly hiding behind, but no one could find him. A few minutes later, Leon watched as the man's body heat slowly faded to black. These are just a small sampling of the many strange, seemingly paranormal stories coming from the Mexican border just outside of El Paso, Texas. More examples from what seems to be an endless supply of paranormal encounters occurring around the world. Ichiwawa. Ichiwawa. Well, I mean, the thing about the location is that it's going to inherently, in my opinion, yeah. be flooded with the ability for paranormal activity just based on what goes on down there. Mm-hmm. Right? There is a lot of death. Yeah. Right? Yeah, true. I mean, of all varieties. I don't yeah. even like, I don't want to make it a political discussion, but it's just like a sure. lot of shit's going on down there. Oh, yeah. So then, like, if you, you add to that, like, these agents are going to work every day with just the stress of such a difficult job yeah. on their backs, right? Yep. It's yep. like... Oh, that is, there are a lot of jobs in life that I wouldn't like, and that is very high on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, you're already like tense, on edge, and then to add this paranormal layer to it. Right. It would make your work days pretty, pretty tough. Yeah, absolutely. And then night shifts are just hard. Even like when I worked in film and television, we would do overnight shoots. Yeah. And, and there's like lights on, everything. It's your internal clock. You're just kind of like, oh, I'm tired. So then that adds to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, mm, very, very difficult spot to be. To it, of course, it would make you think like, "Oh, I'm tired. I'm seeing things. Oh, yeah. I work here. A lot of people have died here." Like you know, ah. <laughs> do you want to uh, do you want to see a few pictures associated with the story? Yeah. Uh, the first one, Mount Cristo Rey, atop of this uh, little hill, stands a large limestone statue of Jesus. You can see there. Jesus, or just the just a cross? I, it's. I, it says Jesus. Uh, it might be a crucifix. It, it is like a, a yeah crucifixion statue. Is this the place where there's all these hidden tunnels? Do I have that right? Yeah, there, yeah. In this area, just okay. in general, okay. lots of like um, tunnels that have been you know dug previously by smugglers. So crazy. Yeah. What a, what a strange life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next picture is the Smelter Town Cemetery. 
That's a very sad cemetery. Mm-hmm. Supposedly haunted area. And yeah, it is an especially sad looking cemetery because of the, the desert uh, climate plus just being abandoned. Right, right. Oh my God, it makes me think about when we drove from Spokane, Washington to LA and we drove through, it must have been like Nevada. Oh yeah, and we drove down through Nevada. Yeah, just that endless desert. Yeah, and there's where they bury old... Um, Weapons? Uh, armaments, yeah. Some yeah. Big arm- yeah, yeah. I can't think of the name of that town. I, I did not do well driving through that part <laughs> of the country because it's just the same, the same, yeah. the same. And by the same, I mean nothingness. Yeah. It stressed me out so much. Uh, last picture, former Border Patrol agent Leon Baker. Uh, this is just a pic from his appearance on the YouTube channel, The Paranormal Files. There, I mean, I did have a like, okay, Leon, Sorry. friend. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that these things didn't happen. Yeah. I do think Leon was maybe a little bit interested in a little bit of fame because... I know, I did get that vibe too. I know. And actually, I I, I cut some of the things he was talking about. Leon liked to talk. Oh, okay. Well, I also picked up that vibe when you were saying that one night, him and a bunch of other guys were at a station party or a party Mm -hmm. at the station, and they were talking about an episode of Ghost Hunters or whatever. I was like, okay, buddy boy. I'm not saying they didn't happen, but I just think that he really wanted to share these stories. Yeah. In a, but, but, in a broader but, way. And then there's the thing, though, of, like, did he want to share them because he just uh, has always been fascinated with ghosts and, like, really wants to be part of that world or because he happened to really see some stuff? I mean, or a combination of both. Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, uh, the one note that I made that I would like to bring up is that if you found out that there are other people were watching on infrared and there was something that was nose to nose with <laughs> I you. Know. I mean, could you imagine seeing a photograph of yourself? Or something where Oof. there is something right here. And you had no idea. Oh, God. Even if it was, you know, I don't know, a deceased family member, like something that you wouldn't necessarily be afraid of. Mm-hmm. That is so unbelievably uncomfortable. Yeah, I like the infrared uh, aspect of that story. Yeah, we have that Those really. encounters. We had a really great story a while back. I'd really have to dig it up to figure out which episode it was. But it was somewhere i want to say in the middle east some sort of military covert operation and the guys like they got their their infrared showed stuff but then also like their compasses essentially Hmm. things weren't working right and they were getting lost and turned around but then uh they they would see movement uh, with their night vision goggles but then not and it was like what is happening it was very uncomfortable very strange (laughs) what no, no, I'm just laughing at what your noise. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. <laughs> okay, how you doing over there? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little, uh, a little toasty. No, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe <laughs> a little bit. Not too bad. I know. I can see it in your forehead. Mm-hmm. You're getting hot. Do you have your Layla? I do. Make sure you drink some water too. True, I'm drinking water. That'll that'll help. I know it's very uh, difficult to drink water while telling a story. So you just sit back and relax. Okay. Kind of. Uh, Okay, so my first story, we're off to a nursing home, which are, in my opinion, inherently creepy places. Yeah. You know? I mean, because old old people are creepy, just as as you just insinuated. Yeah. I know. You are very, you're a very ageist person who doesn't like old people. Yeah. I mean, so like, that's why our relationship is kind of difficult. Because I'm old? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your next stop is the nursing home. Whoa, dude. Bro. You get it. I'll I'll rule that nursing home right now. (laughs) I got a couple years left where I can be a big boss at the nursing home. Okay. All right. That sounds sounds good. Mm -hmm. That sounds good for you. Uh, But yeah, I mean, nursing homes, a lot of death happens there. So, of course, it's going to have a vibe of of discomfort and the possibility of being ripe with paranormal activity, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you had that story just a couple weeks ago of 
uh, a guy at a nursing home and he kept seeing black eyed children out mm-hmm. his window. Kept one of the one of the assistants there, residence assistants, whatever. Oh, so uncomfortable. So we have this story of, that really reminded me of that. This sweet old lady. I'm like, what's going on? Like, is what is she seeing? Why is she seeing it? Yeah. And 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 is it real or I don't know. <laughs> it's the sound of death. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hey Dan. Hey Lindsay. I'm such a huge fan of your podcast and I love hearing you guys tell your stories. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Oh, you weren't okay. For legal reasons and HIPAA laws, I've changed everyone's name in this story. I've been a CNA, a certified nursing assistant, in a nursing home for almost two years now. The home that I'm currently employed at has been the only place I have worked at as a CNA since obtaining my license. In this job, I have met and worked with some incredible people, taken care of wonderful residents that I get to see every day, and have built relationships with their family members that have come to visit them often. Unfortunately, I did start my job as a CNA as family members had very restricted visits due to COVID. And because of fo- and because of COVID and family members not being able to visit as often for the safety of their loved ones, our residents would often start declining, and I unfortunately had to deal with several deaths. The story I have for you is perhaps the creepiest story I have about my job. Throughout my life, I've been to a couple funerals, and while they're very sad, it's a whole other thing to take care of someone's body after they have passed. My very, my very first death I ever experienced as a CNA was frightening and very nerve-wracking, but it also gave me a sense of peace knowing that my patients were no longer in pain. About two weeks before this specific day, one of my favorite residents, Ruby, had fallen on her hip and then began to decline. I didn't know it at the time, but years later, I very quickly learned that when someone starts to decline in the way that she did, they often get what's known as the death gargle or the death rattle in their chest. It almost sounds like they are drowning on their own saliva. Eventually, they become bed-bound and stop eating and talking. The only thing you can really do for them at this point is to give them some morphine to help with the pain so that they're comfortable. Ruby started to decline so badly that she was in bed all of the time and never got up to eat or do any other activities. We would check on her often just to make sure she was comfortable and still breathing. Ruby had a neighbor that lived across the hall from her, Lucy. Something to know about Lucy is that she didn't like socializing often and she was almost always in her room. She was wheelchair-bound and loved sitting in her room by the window. Lucy also had schizophrenia and would think that she would see her kids in her room or that they were sitting on her bed. None of her kids had passed away, and since she had schizophrenia, we brushed it off as a part of what she struggled with. She would also say that she would see a man in her room, but again, we all just brushed it off, blaming her schizophrenic diagnosis. Very often, we would talk to her about what she was seeing to reassure her that no one was, in fact, in the room with her. She was a newer patient, and she couldn't remember our names and was never out of her room, so she wasn't familiar with too many of the patients. I was able to get Lucy out of her room to come eat lunch on this specific day. I was helping all of the patients that were out for lunch when my coworker Sydney, who's also my best friend, clocked in. Sydney had asked me how Ruby was doing. I told her she'd been doing okay when I had last checked on her about 45 minutes before lunch started. Sydney wanted to go check on her, give her more medicine if needed, and said she'd be right back. Not even 15 seconds later, Sydney came around the corner and waved me over to her. She didn't seem panicked in any way. She asked, though, if I could help her with something. I left all 14 of my residents in the dining room to help Sydney. When we walked into Ruby's room, Sydney said, I need you to check. 
Check what? I asked. I looked over at Ruby, and it was clear she had passed away. You could tell just by looking at her. We checked to see if she had a pulse, and despite being very warm, which indicated that she had just passed minutes before, she did not have a pulse. We walked out the room in a calm manner so as to not alert or upset the other residents. I I continued to help out in the dining room while Sydney called my boss to inform him that Ruby had passed away. After Sydney made the call, she joined me in the dining room, pushing one of our residents in her wheelchair into the living room. As she did, Lucy waved Sydney over to talk to her. Hey, is Ruby okay? Now keep in mind that there were only currently three people that knew Ruby had passed away. My boss hadn't gone to her room yet, and when we left Ruby's room, we didn't say anything to any one of the other residents, so Lucy wouldn't have known about Ruby passing away. It was also alarming that she had referred to Ruby by her name. She didn't really know who Ruby was. Sydney didn't want to alarm her or tell her what was going on, so she simply replied with, Yeah, of course. Why do you ask? What Lucy said next still scares me to this day. Lucy said, Well, because Ruby's walking out of her room right now. She's walking out the door. She pointed. Sydney freaked out and immediately told me what was happening. Later on that day, I was in Lucy's room, pulling her dirty laundry out of her closet to wash it for her. Lucy looked at me and once again asked, Is Ruby okay? I looked at her and almost didn't know what to say. I responded with, Yep, Ruby's doing good. Why? Is everything all right? Lucy looked out the window and said, Yeah, I'm just making sure because she's outside sitting on the bench with her husband, crying happy tears. I looked out the window and saw not one single person. I got the biggest wave of chills over my entire body. And right as I finished collecting her laundry and was walking out the door, she said, Oh, look, there they go, walking to the big lights. (laughs) I walked out of her room and told Sydney immediately what had happened. A couple of days later, maybe even a week, I was in Lucy's room yet again with a different co-worker of mine, Riley. Riley and I walked into the room to collect Lucy's laundry. Lucy asked us, Hey, if you find a white tank top in that laundry basket, will you let me know? I don't recognize it, and I don't think it belongs to me. I said, of course. Then I asked her, who do you think the tank top belongs to? And she answered, to the lady who doesn't speak very good English. Now, at the time, we had a resident living with us who was German, and her English was often very hard to understand. And that's who I assumed she was talking about. So I said, if I find it, I'll just ask her if it's hers. And then Lucy responded with, Well, you could just ask her now. She's standing right in front of you. No one was standing in front of me. I was standing facing the corner of her room. I looked at Riley, who had the most concerned look on her face, and I followed up with Lucy, asking her what this woman looked like. She responded with, The little lady is standing in front of you. She doesn't speak very good English. She has a four-month-old baby girl in her arms and a three-year-old boy holding her hand standing next to her. She has long black hair, and she's shorter than you, and she doesn't speak any English. The most creepy thing about this to me was the amount of details she was giving, such as the children's ages. Why did she know that? I was so frightened that I quickly gathered all my things and was trying to get out of the room as quickly as possible. I was trying to be polite and said, okay, I'll ask about it later. I've got to finish up some things. And then Lucy replied, oh, that's okay. If you can't find her, you can just ask her husband. He's in here pretty often. (laughs) She went on to explain what the husband looked like. He's super skinny and very tall. He's taller than that lamp in my room. He has a white face and all black clothes with very long arms. He never says anything to me. He just stands there. Now the lamp in her room has to be at least nine feet tall standing next to her window. Slenderman, I thought, (laughs) and I got out of that room as fast as I could. Unfortunately, Lucy passed away about three months later after all of this. 
Both Sydney and I continue working nights together, and we love to scare ourselves by listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. We love you so much. Thanks, M. Thanks, M. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> my response is it's so it is a weird like deja vu thing where it's like I know. Oh, we had this conversation. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> we did, but that's okay. Let's have it with our fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like just that thing of like the first detail of when she sees this woman. I mean, it sounds like like her spirit like leave her room after she yeah. dies and then meet her deceased husband out on that bench and cry the happy tears. That's a really like touching moment in the story. Yeah, it's really sweet, isn't it? Yeah, and kind of inspires like hope that there could be something like that out there. Yeah. And then the other lady, you know, it's like I just wonder if if she was ever able to see details of the German woman who died in the home of what that woman looked like when she was younger mm-hmm. and what her husband may have looked like. And did she have a boy and a girl and were their ages mm-hmm. the appropriate amount apart? Mm-hmm. Because then that would line up with the details of what that woman like, – like, that would be crazy if all those deals matched up perfectly. And she's like, oh, my God, that's the woman uh, Lucy described. That's right. the man Lucy described. Those are the, right. those kids match up age-wise. But we don't know if the German resident passed away. Oh, I assume – yeah, maybe in the story, I, for some reason, I, I linked the German – the woman who spoke with the German accent to the dark-haired woman that was seen by Lucy. Well, I, I think I think I can uh, explain the confusion there that yeah. comes in. So it's like Lucy, uh, Lucy, the patient, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is seeing this dark-haired German woman and her family. Let's say, right? But the storyteller is saying, like, yeah, I would see. I, I wouldn't. Uh, sorry, the the storyteller says, you know, there was a German resident there, but she's not saying they're one and the same. And, and the storyteller never oh, I just says linked those two. that the German resident passed away. So my concern becomes, yeah. does Lucy, the resident with schizophrenia, maybe have a close connection to the other side where, yes, she saw the first woman, mm-hmm. Ruby, pass away or move on with her husband. Yeah. But like, but now is that sort of like a little portal that opened? Is that a little opening? And now she's seeing oh, something else. like and- some random ghosts that came through? Yeah. Like, yeah. maybe it's entirely different. Oh, interesting, yeah. Maybe it is Slenderman or some, you know, <laughs> right, right. tall, thin, I mean, hat man. It could be a lot of things. Hmm. Hopefully not Slenderman, because that is creepypasta. And if those things are coming to life now. Well, you just never know, do you? I guess not. I mean, have you can dream it? Might be real. Could be. Mm-hmm. Draw inspiration from something. Yeah, people have seen, like, creepy stretched out forms that comes up a lot for mm-hmm. some reason, like... Uh, the sizes are odd with like the the shapes the humanoid shapes are seen too small too big stretched mm-hmm. different things yeah distorted when we were traveling uh when we were overseas i didn't see anything that made me uncomfortable i never had a single night of thinking like uh cuz we stayed like in some really old places yeah. you know and i thought like oh for sure like something should happen here if it was going to yeah. happen here nope when we got stuck in new york and then we were there anyways uh the last hotel that we were at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more modern. It's <sighs> some weird vibes there. Yep. I had a really hard time falling asleep a couple nights. Huh. And then one night I woke up and just so, ha- now it could just be my imagination, truly. Yeah. But it just so happened that there was this really giant painting, the one that was like, uh, when you would sit in that chair and yeah, work yeah, on behind you. Yeah, I know you're talking about. It's and huge, it had yeah. this like, it was like a. That was a creepy painting. I will say that during okay. the day I noticed it was creepy. Because, it is creepy. Because it was kind of like, like modern art where it's like these big broad brush strokes and just like these um, not very many colors. But within the brush strokes, there was shapes, vague yes. humanoid shapes. So it looked like there was two dudes yes. in there. But I, because I remember thinking like, man, I would hate to see this thing high. Oh, okay. Well, like, I would like think I was, like I should yeah. really cover that up before I yeah. go to bed. 
We did have one hotel as we were traveling that I did hang something over the mirror when we were in Edinburgh. I thought... Oh, yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah, because I was like, "Mm," because of the kind of mirror it was. It was like an old... Antique mirror. Antique, swivel, oval mirror. And I thought like, bullshit. (laughs) You're not ruining my sleep tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you ready for one more? I am. Uh, You've never heard this story before, so... Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dreams. Okay, so you had... uh, Let's see, one of your stories. We kind of touched on dreams. Sleep paralysis. I know. I, I do like that we both have stories this episode that touch on sleep paralysis without talking to one another about that. Because it's not like it comes up that often. No, yeah. It's not like we're talking about it every single week. And it's funny that like I happened to pick a story that had sleep paralysis in it and so did you without either one of us knowing what the other was doing. Our friend Laura would say that's like marriage brain, marital brain, when you kind of like start to share a brain. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Yeah. Sort of. Well, in that same vein of thought, um, so there's... There's this thing called like mesh mesh dreaming or like co-dreaming. Mm-hmm. And it's when two people essentially have the same dream. But what they attribute it to is like, let's say we both watched um, I, Freddy Krueger. And then yeah. we, we both had dreams what, or what we thought were dreams or sleep paralysis moments, whatever. We both the next day were like, oh, my God, last night, like the craziest thing happened to me. And it's sort of like shared experience. Mm-hmm. But you can then point to like, oh, well, we both watched the same thing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it could kind of be that. Well, in this story, I think like what kind of threw me off with this story is that we have roommates living together who have a shared experience but don't have anything to point to to say like well that's maybe it came from this right and so i i really like this story it really creeped me out yeah I, yeah i like this one too all right well let's hear it again let's do it all right hey dan and Lindsay. i only just got introduced to your podcast very recently so i'm currently binging at the moment thank you so much for the hours of fun and creeps thank you in one of your earlier episodes, you mentioned the hatted shadow man or the hat man. Mm-hmm. As soon as he was mentioned, I knew I had to write to you about an experience I had during my university days. I'm originally from Australia, and after finishing my bachelor's degree in Sydney, I moved to Oxford in England to start my master's degree. That's so cool. I know. This was back in 2013. During my time there, I lived in an old Victorian home with four other roommates. The house was very old, and like every student home, definitely needed some work. The house was constantly cold, most likely attributed to us being poor students who didn't want to pay for heating, and it was constantly damp and suffered with mold issues. My bedroom was the only bedroom on the ground floor. The rest of my four roommates slept on the second floor. I went to bed one night and had a dream that I'm sure I'll remember for the rest of my life. My dream started with me as a passenger on a motorbike. I was in the back holding onto someone who I immediately recognized as being a stranger. For some reason, I instantly knew that I had never met this person. He had on a denim jacket, and all I could see was the back of his head, which was covered in medium-length black hair. We were driving on a large but deserted road during the middle of the day. The sun was shining, and it was incredibly humid. The dream version of myself recognized that we were driving through India, something that I found to be extremely random since I had never been there in real life. Suddenly, we were passing hundreds of shrines that were situated on both sides of the road. As I'm staring at them in wonder of their beauty, I realize that the driver of the motorbike is trying to tell me something. But because we're driving so fast, all I can hear are his muffled words against the wind. I ask him to repeat himself, and he tries yelling again, but I can't make out any of his words. We continue driving past hundreds of shrines as he's continually trying to repeat himself over and over again. 
I can't make out his words because of the roar of the wind, and we both grow consistently frustrated. Finally, he turns his head to the side and yells out one more time, you need to wake up, there's someone watching you. And I immediately wake up in absolute horror and fear. I can assure you that I had never felt such an intense sense of fear and dread in my life before nor after. I instantly realize that there is, in fact, someone standing next to my bed. I'm too scared to stare at them, so I only peek at them from the corner of my eyes. It's a tall man in a trench coat wearing a hat. But he wasn't a normal man. Instead, he was a shadow so dark that I was unable to make out any features. He just seemed like one deep, dark void. My instincts were telling me not to stare at him directly. Horrified, I began rationalizing to myself that this was surely a dream or a case of sleep paralysis. I shut my eyes out of pure fear and with every ounce of courage I had, turned to my side so that my back would be facing the shadow man. I did not want to deal with this. As if I were a child, I placed my head under the covers as I tried to calm myself down. I remember the panic and anxiety coursing through my veins. All I could hear was the pounding of my heart in my chest. I laid there, my hands gripping the duvet cover as I tried to calm down. Surely it was sleep paralysis. Surely. I don't know how, but I ended up falling back asleep. I woke up troubled that morning. I instantly remembered the weird dream or sleep paralysis moment I had had of the shadow man. I stumbled out of bed and made my way to the kitchen where my roommates were already having breakfast. After exchanging the usual good mornings, I told my roommates that I had had some strange dreams that night. I didn't divulge any details. The roommate, whose room was directly above mine, suddenly exclaimed and mentioned that he too had had a night full of fucked up dreams. Apparently, he woke up in the middle of the night to see a tall black shadow man wearing a hat standing at the foot of his bed. The man suddenly bent forward and began pulling at their duvet, trying to take the cover off of them. My roommate was horrified and grabbed at the duvet, trying to hold onto it as the shadow man kept pulling on it. They said it felt like an hour of both of them essentially having a tug of war. And in a fit of tired anger, my roommate told it to fuck off and violently tug the duvet out of his hands. My roommate promptly turned to the side and fell asleep as they figured it was also a weird case of sleep paralysis. After sharing their story, I told my roommate the dream I had. We were all immediately freaked out and spent the rest of the day at the pub as we figured that a couple of drinks throughout the day was probably <laughs> the best solution to all of this. Neither one of us had that experience ever again. And so that's my story. I'm not sure what actually happened to both of us that night or who or what that shadow man was. Sometimes I wonder if the mold in the house simply got to us that night in a very coincidental manner. Whatever the reason, I just hope I never wake up to that fear and dread ever again. Thank you so much for listening to my story. Keep the podcast going. I'm loving every moment of it. Thanks, DJ. Oh, thanks, DJ. Uh, I, I love that I, I knew DJ was not uh, an American student when she said uh, the, the phrasing of university spent my, like my days at university. Oh, yeah. As opposed to like, I oh, went back when I was in college. Yeah. Like there's just those little uh, phrases, the way that they're different. And I, but how, how impressive to uh, go to Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a cool place to go to school. And then... um. Yeah, that one that, I mean, clearly if they had been talking about like the hat man lore right. earlier that day, she would have mentioned that in the story. He. Oh yeah, sorry. He would have mentioned that in the story. Uh-huh. But uh, since he didn't, um, yeah, that is that is really crazy. They would both randomly have hat man dreams the same night. 
Well, and was it dreams or did they have encounters? Or, or yeah, encounters, encounters, exactly. Randomly have encounters. Yeah, either either way is weird. Well, yeah, because DJ starts with saying that that he thought he was having a dream, but then feels confident. That it was something, yeah, really saw something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like, you know, he's like, I, I even tried to tell myself, like, that's oh, a dream, it's sleep paralysis. But then, like, I don't know, like, can the hat man just kind of, I don't know, jump from floor to floor in this house? Yeah, I mean, I is know. that a new thing where, like, if the hat man shows up at your house... Mm-hmm. To give you a little visit, and yeah. you're not responding the way he would like. Could he just theoretically move on to the next person in your house? <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, that's like, it's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's like mm-hmm. try this bed doesn't work out for you. Try that bed that that doesn't work out for you. Or the porridge, not the bed. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, it's like uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I, I can't think of hearing that in other stories of like the Hat Man. You know, like going from person to person the same night. I don't even know that I can really pinpoint a story where I guess sometimes you'll have like siblings maybe that share a room that both wake up and see the same thing. Mm-hmm. But for them to be in separate rooms, I think that that's what kind of threw me. And I yeah. know their bedrooms were, you know, one on top of the other, but they were not in the exact same space. So that's yeah. that that's a new detail, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. All right. So, All right. So I guess you could just, you know, sleep in the comfort of knowing that if the hat man shows up in like your hotel room yeah. and you just ignore him, he will probably just, just like guest. Whoop, to the next floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a nice, nice loophole. Nice um, yeah. uh, defense against the hat man. It could be super fun if you find out that like that person that was in the lobby that was being really rude, that you don't like them. And then you find mm-hmm. out, oh, I know what floor you're on. And you find out that they're just above you. You just kind of send the hat man up there for a little visit. All right. Interesting. <laughs> How great would that be? If, if, you're, if you're like, hey, buddy, I'm really tired tonight. Can you go upstairs? Like if you've been haunted by this entity and then yeah. you're just like just over for that night. You talk it into moving on to somebody else. You're like, dude, just Come tonight. On. Can you just go upstairs? and just, just haunt room 514 instead of 414. I mean, they were really rude. <laughs> It'd be so great. Do you want to start the Annabelle's or me? I will go first. We break it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon and making our monthly donations possible. Nate and Sadie, Anne Lee Rowetz, Adriana Galvin, Cheryl Butler, Angel Carter 26, Karen 062, St. Clara, James Loving, Rebecca Merritt, Eric Cano, Christopher, mm, Christopher Irizarry Hernandez, Robert Easley, Robin Greenland, Jack Clausen, Jesse Buick, Melissa Hardin, Patricia Goodman, Amanda Berkeley, Austin Hill, Meg Fitzgerald, Spooktastic, <laughs> Hannah Bertrand, Cassie Carr, Cody Loomis, Andre Chikatilo. What is big deal? Thank you. And Adair Moon. Nice. Well done. Uh, I'd like to thank the following Annabelle's Michonne, Jose De La Torre, uh, Caitlin Edwards, Josie McCoy, Lindsay, Mother of Wolves, Ariana Green, Desiree Lopez, Liz Robinson, KJ Bigden, Kimberly Dunford, Dread Pirate Roberts. Nice. As you wish. Good nice, job. Nice little reference. Um, Jessica Minicellio. Minicellio. Minestroni. Minestroni. Jessica, tough Italian last name. Mini. Minestroni. Si? Minestroni. Mini chi- Cielo. Cielo. Minicielo. Minicielo. Jessica Minicielo. I knew uh, that was coming. Uh, uh, Alex and Julia McCain. McCann. 
Sierra Hayhurst's DJ Fetty, uh, Heidi Gerloff, Sabrina, Rubel Gabriella, Islas, Miranda, uh, Miranda Stalker, Emily Hodgman Richter, Mary Medniola, Jeremy Daniel, Melissa Luna, uh, Tulu, and Loreen. Loreen. Loreen, mm-hmm. like, like Maureen. Two E's. Yeah, Maureen, uh, Darlene, Charlene, Loreen. Stop naming your former mother's stepmothers. <laughs> I was just thinking about names. It is interesting now, today, just because the world is so mixed. Mm-hmm. Like, if you lived in some, uh, I don't know, random American city in 1840, you have like three or four different types of names mm-hmm. you, gotta, you gotta get your head around like irish names maybe polish names yes. italian names uh you know french names there might be like some uh some uh, native american names but there's but there's not going to be like 80 countries worth of names <laughs> right right maybe new york city you had a lot but if like but the further you go west the the less it gets it's mm-hmm. like you know it's like scandinavians germans and that's it in this town and, and Native Americans. And then, but here, because <laughs> that's where my brain gets hung up. It's like, okay, okay, I'm going to go into uh, uh, Spanish mode. And then I know the, the pronunciation is going to tilt this way. Mm-hmm. But then the very next name, what is, is this fucking German? What is this? <laughs> and then after that, it's like, I, I don't even know what continent this name's come from. Yeah. Yeah. And then people, never gets easier. people started naming their kids like Apple. Well, and that's the other thing that like, happens now. Just people just making up whatever. Yeah, and people naming their kids things like Kyler. It's like, and people not knowing how to spell the name that they've picked because that legitimately happens. I like, I like. Why well, not? I'm talking about your name. Oh. You change as a kid. I'm talking about like after doing meet and greets at shows, talking to numerous people over yeah. the years. Where I'm like, how do you spell that? And they're like, sorry, uh, my parents didn't know how it was spelt, and they got it wrong, and they just kept it. Yeah, or, or, <laughs> or my parents thought they were being unique. Like I have a cousin, right. Shelly and right. Kelly. One is just E-L-L-Y and the other one is E-L-L-E-Y because my yeah. aunt thought it would be like fun for them to yeah. not have to have exactly the same name by two letters. So let's right. just make it difficult. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know. I know. Even like my so mom. So we say, we say, oh, sorry. Go ahead. My mom's mom was Charlotte and like her spelling, like her parents. So even, you know, it's not that long ago. Yeah. They added like, like it's because it's usually C-H-A-R-O. Mm-hmm. I think they did two R's or something. Like it was just so obnoxious because yeah. you could, you would never guess that. <laughs> right. It's like, oh man. And I say this just, uh, it's never disrespectful if we uh, don't, not, not even that we're, we're not even getting complaints about this, but if we were, it's never uh, disrespectful. And I always feel like if I'm listening, I'm thinking like, oh, come on, it can't be that hard. Huh. But but here's what you do to find out how hard it is. Just go to any movie, pick any movie at all. Go to the cast at the end, like the credits. Ooh, nice. And you don't get to read it quietly. Read it out loud, and not just to yourself, but to someone else. And record it. <laughs> and I promise, I don't care who you are. You're not going to make it through thirty names <laughs> without butchering at least five of them. <laughs> that, that's fair. That is fair. Well, even just like my name, Lindsay. I mean, there are so many ways. Oh, I was going to say really quick. You don't get to pick a movie made prior to like 1960. <laughs> okay, fair. Because then you might nail it. No, bye, bye, Birdie. Well, yeah. Because then it's just going to be like John Anderson. Like Jill Shaw, <laughs> it's got to be a mix of ethnicities. Okay, yeah. maybe and even pick cultures a, and maybe countries. maybe even pick a movie that was is English speaking movie. Yeah, with American actors filmed in like Bulgaria. Good mm, luck. Yeah, good luck. Good luck reading that cast and crew. 
Good luck pick, if, if you are not Icelandic. Oh my pick god! Any movie made in Iceland and see if you can read one name correctly. Half of them can't even read it. That we have this. <laughs> do you remember that we did this thing? It's called a rib boat, which I'd never heard of a rib boat before. But it was this totally awesome experience. If you ever have the opportunity, we're out on you know the open waters and on this like giant. Like an inflatable raft, but like hardy. Yeah, very hardy. Like think of like a um like a if you were gonna float a river, like that kind of like whitewater rafting kind of thing. But like, with a big ass engine on the back and, and more fortified. Way more fortified because mm -hmm. they had like seats and like okay. Mm -hmm. So but they can whip you all around. Our two guides on that, one of them, she said her name, she goes, You can just call me B because no one can say my name. I like I don't even know what my parents were thinking. So B, and then yeah. it was like B and Bob or something. Like the other girl had shortened her name so shortly because yeah. they were both like, and they are Icelandic people who live on this island. Like it was an mm -hmm. island within an island, and she was like, "This is stupid. This is terrible. This is a terrible name." <laughs> I thank you. All right. Well, I have a few spoopy shout outs. Yeah. To Liam from your mama and your daddy. Happy birthday, you tiny creep. To Corey from Sarah. Thank you for being my rock these last three years. To the beaver from Wally. I love you and I miss you more than I have words for. Ah, oh, gee, Wally. Cute. To Nikki from Tom. I'm sorry. To Nikki and Tom from Tony. Nikki, you are the love of my life. And Tom, thanks for being so awesome. And to Jen from your twin sister, Lindsay. Spells her name correctly. Happy birthday, peeper. Tell that guy in the attic. I said hi. Creepy. She, I, well, uh, Lindsay has been harassing Jen about like, okay, better be careful tonight Fun. for many moons. Kind of like how you harassed your sister. Okay. Fair enough. That is our show. Times two. Time, fingers crossed. V2. F we'll find out. We'll find out soon if this one, if this, uh, can you imagine if there was a tech? Oh then, then, then this then show the, you guys is don't cursed. Get a, then you don't get an episode. Then this, this story, these stories aren't meant to be heard. Oh my God. That actually would be the most insane thing if there was just one time. <laughs> yeah. No matter how many times we told <gasps> those stories, they, they wouldn't record. Oh my gosh. That freaked me out. Uh, yeah. Yeek. Yeechi. Wow. wow. Uh, thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for his work on social media and again for running badmagicmerch.com and again for producing and directing today. He's a one-man show out there. Let also, me tell you. Also, new producer, though, Mystery who's been great. Man. You guys get to meet him at summer camp. Awesome. And then we'll introduce him to everybody else. Yes, summer camp first. Uh, thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding today's first story. Uh, producer Sarah Finch and Olivia Lee both working on the second. Uh, thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. And to our book editor, Drew Atana, for polishing and preparing the listener's stories recently for book number three. Now going to be working on book number four. Four, yes. And we have wow. a whole new system I'm very excited about. It means nothing to you guys, but on the organizational side, I feel very happy. Our new mystery producer is very organized. That's what I hear. I'm going to have to show you something after the show that's going to make you very happy. Is it a spreadsheet? Yeah, it's a tutorial. Oh, but the way it's laid out, you're going to be you're going to be so excited. Snaps. Uh, good to be back in the studio, everyone. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Hope you were scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within scared to death. Yeah. 
Cad Magic Productions.